0: Hi, I'm taking a break over the next few weeks. Meanwhile, here's an episode you might have missed. So you'll know, I have some fantastic guests lined up in 2023, many that you've requested. Season's greetings and happy 2023 to all of y'all. Thank you for the messages, emails, support, and the reviews. You make the magic happen for all things Tudor. I'm Deb Hunter, and welcome to All Things Tudor, the podcast that blows the dust off the history books and brings the world of the Tudors roaring back to life. Each episode will bring you awesome guests and topics, stories, and revelations. The power, the sex, the scandals, the romance, and the ruthlessness. So join me And together, we'll pull back the curtain and discover the real lives of the Tudors. Hi, I'm Deb Hunter, and welcome to All Things Tudor. Today, our guest is musician and historian Tamson Lewis. Hi, Tamson. How are you today? Very well, thanks. It's so nice to have you join us. Very happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You have such a brilliant career. Why don't you tell us what you've done? Because you've had such an interesting journey.
1: Thank you. Well, well, I'm a musician and historian, which is not what I planned to be. I was going to get a, what I thought was a real job and not do music, but the music won in the end. But as I discovered, I could make a living out of what I love doing. I studied the violin in London and in Florence. But I've always been interested in the 16th century, and particularly the Tudor period in England. And I discovered early music when I was a teenager. I listened to everything I could, taught myself until I met other people who could teach me other things. I Discovered historical reenactment at Kentwell Hall in Suffolk, where they recreate a different year out of the 16th century each year. And for me, that was a wonderful thing because it was meeting a community of like-minded Tudor obsessives, for want of a better word, people who loved the history as much as I did. And they, someone there, gave me a vial and showed me how to play it. And I moved from the viol to the harp. Um, I had a lute because my father had made one when I was a child. And I started an early music group, an ensemble called Passamezzo. And we've been playing now for more than 20 years. And through them and through a theatre company called The Lion's Part, which is based at Shakespeare's Globe or used to be based at Shakespeare's Globe, I built up a lot of contacts. In, in music and in heritage and in academia too. So I have a rather schizophrenic career that's a mixture of a lot of things. I perform. I, I, I don't really know how else to describe it. I, I I write books on early modern music and society. I work in theatre and in television and in film. And I do a lot of work on heritage sites like Hampton Court, the Tower of London, often recreating historical performances like masks at court. You've done a lot of TV work too, haven't you? Yes, I, ha- I have. I've. I mean, it's 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 just sheer luck of people get in touch. Um. I suppose the probably the. Things that have reached America most are Deborah Harkness's *Discovery of Witches*, where I did some music in, in the wedding scene, and was, the, was a historical consultant for the crowd. The other thing that people will have seen is Lucy Worsley's 12 Days of Tudor Christmas*, where I again was a musical expert for that, provided
0: music for the show, and talked a little bit too. How wonderful. Now, that's very popular in the US, by the way, in case you didn't know.
1: Lucy's brilliant,
0: very knowledgeable woman and a joy to work with. And you also love all things Tudor and Elizabethan? I, I can't remember when I
1: first became interested. When I was getting married, my father dug out a scrapbook um, from when I was five that had a picture of a that had a postcard from the Victoria and Albert Museum where I had written, this is Queen Elizabeth's Jewel. So I was obviously interested even then. I read everything I could get my hands on about the Tudor period. And I mean, I'm lucky I live in London and access to museums is so good. I used to go particularly to the v and um, where they had a wonderful collection of old musical instruments, as well as clothes and Everything
0: else that's good. Did the Tudors have special Christmas and New Year's music, or was it all religious and ceremonial? Both. Just like now, we
1: have carols that are religious, and we also have carols that are just about Christmas, about looking forward to seeing people and the snow. In the same way, they, they had carols. The first there, there are manuscript collections of carols going throughout the Tudor period, and the first book of printed carols is printed in the 1520s. Um, It includes the boar's head carol, which is perhaps one of the best known Tudor carols, which is all about what you're eating at Christmas rather than about religion. Whereas there are some incredibly beautiful Christmas carols that are also religious, sometimes in a mixture of English and Latin. Sometimes the carols mix both worlds and so they they have there are special carols for each day of christmas there are carols for advent for christmas eve christmas day Saint stephen's day the 26th Saint john's day 27th innocence day 28th that perhaps the most famous carol that's still known to us now is the coventry carol lully lula that is all about the massacre of the innocents that's for the 28th um but I was going to give an example about the 26th, the carol for St Stephen's Day, that says, in honour of St Stephen, who was stoned for our sake, let's go and eat lots of sauce. Which is an odd mixture of remembering the saint and feasting. So, I mean, just just as now, it's a feast for the family and it's a feast to worship. And they, even after the Reformation, the saint's days were still being celebrated as part of Christmas celebrations. The other thing that happened was, now we have Christmas presents, of course. In those days, you had New Year's presents, New Year's gifts. And in addition to carols for the new year, there are a number of pieces of music called the New Year's gift, which are pieces of music that were, that are written as gifts to give people. Carrying on through the season, There are carols for Twelfth Night, Twelfth Day and right through to Candlemas because the season didn't finish until the 2nd of February. It started at Hallowtide, Halloween. There was a fast in Advent, a fast where you would not have meat, so you'd basically be eating fish and I'm uncertain from what I've read. Whether they would also, like they did in Lent, avoid white meats, which is eggs and milk and dairy products at this time, or whether it was just fish that they did in Advent. But you went from Hallowtide all the way through to Candlemas. It's a bit of light in a dark time of year. And it was also, if you think of a mostly agricultural society, in a time when you couldn't really do much work on the land if it's frozen solid. So, you're relying on what you've got stored. And one of the important things about Christmas was it was a time when rich people would open their doors and give food and shelter on occasion to those who were less fortunate than them. So, there are a lot of songs celebrating this, describing all the foods that people are having, and also the poorer people who would be. Given the charity by the well-to-do. they sometimes they would mask, they would do masking or mumming and sing, a bit like people going Carol singing now, in return for their food, a bit of entertainment. Of course, at court, again, all of this was celebrated in very magnified style. It was a time when you could, when there was a lot of theatre performance, not so much in the theatre, but the the acting companies would come to court and present their plays. The revels accounts always show a lot of performances between Christmas and Candlemas. Most famously, there is Twelfth Night, or what you will, Shakespeare's play that was written for performance on Twelfth
0: Night. Exactly. Now, haven't you written a couple of books on this subject? Yes, I, I've written two books on
1: music and customs and society in, at Christmas. The first is called To Shorten Winter's Sadness, and it has carols and ballads and lute songs describing all the festivities and also some of the things that people did in the cold of winter, frost fairs and things like that. And then my second book is called Old Christmas Returned, which again follows the pattern follows the calendar through Christmas. That, that book also talks about the following century, which is obviously not Tudor, although the foundations were laid um, with the Puritans in Tudor times, when Christmas was actually banned and then restored, of course. And so I've written about that too.
0: Do you have recordings?
1: I, I've recorded two, two CDs, To Shorten Winter's Sadness and Old Christmas Returned. And they are, they're available on Bandcamp or on YouTube, Spotify, and
0: all the major channels. Well, we know Henry VIII, Anne Boleyn, and Elizabeth I were accomplished musicians. Can you give us more examples of the importance of music at the Tudor court with the royals? Yes, of course. I think someone who's often forgotten is Mary, Henry VIII's
1: daughter Mary, who was a very accomplished musician. Even at the age of four, ambassadors were writing to say how good her virginal playing was. She danced, she sang, she played the lute. And she also liked to surround herself with other people who made music. She used to teach her ladies to sing too, so they could sing with her. But this is, of course, a typical example. Um, Henry Eighth was his father made his father was musical too, and his father made sure, Henry the that his son was brought up with a Renaissance education. And that meant music as well. So Henry played, danced, sang, wrote wrote music, not Green Sleeves, but Pastime with Good Company and about thirty other pieces. And he made sure that all of his children had the same education. And I haven't really researched Edward, but certainly all the reports on both Mary and Elizabeth show them to be accomplished musicians, whether it's playing to stave off melancholy, as as Elizabeth is recorded to have done, or just enjoying making music with her ladies. The other thing at court is that they would have, if you're going to have good music, you've got to have good musicians. And this is something that really Henry VIII started he wanted to make his court a centre of, of culture, really. Um, and he, you know, he wanted to rival Francis, the first of France, and his cousins, the emperor. So he brought musicians over to England. large number of Italian musicians and French musicians, some from the Low Countries too, Often whole families. Um, Some of the most famous are the Bassanos and the Lupos, both of whom were families of instrument makers as well as musicians. And they brought new instruments to England. The violin came to England in 1540. A slightly different form of violin to the one that we play now, but recognizably the same.
0: I'm still fascinated by the Mary first Reference to music. I I've never heard that before. She she gets such a bad press. I think
1: she. I mean, she had an awful life, really. Not that it excuses and Burnings by any means, but for the first decade or so of her life, she was well. Really, until Mary, until Elizabeth was born in thirty three. The first seventeen years of her life, she was the heir, and she was treated as such and so her father made sure that as a as a musician as a scholar she was someone who did him proud and did england proud an account of her performing as a seven year old describes her as performing with the maturity of someone much older than that and describing a range of dances that she does, she is doing She's doing simple dances, but also galliards, complicated, quite athletic dances. And of course, Queen Elizabeth loved to dance. Even in her old age, she would dance eight galliards before
0: breakfast, they say. No wonder she was so thin.
1: Yes, it, it, it's, quite a work, it's quite a workout. Um, I'm afraid I'm not good at galliards. I, I do the nice slow dancing, the bass dances, the almains, the paffins. Ga- galliards are a lot of leaping around, <laughs> but they're beautiful when done well.
0: They truly are.
1: If you're a fan of Tudor history, come join us at All Things Tudor, a Facebook group dedicated to, well, All Things Tudor. Members can contribute a wide array of subject matter about Tudor history. You can also listen to the All Things Tudor podcast. There's a book club and a weekly clubhouse live audio chat, often featuring very special guests. Look for upcoming surprises for the group members in 2022. Become a member of one of the largest groups of Tudor history enthusiasts on the planet. Simply go to the Facebook search bar, type in All Things Tudor, select the option to join the group, and of course answer the membership questions. Join us now at All Things Tudor. Look forward to seeing you. What is
0: next for
1: you? So I've just come from doing Tudor Fest at the British Library. I've got some Christmas concerts coming up. And I'm, I've got a number of gigs for next year, some concerts and some collaborations. I'm hoping to do something with the Shakespeare Institute about music in the Inns of Court. And... They've got a an exhibition on Elizabeth and Mary, Queen of Scots, at the British Museum, and I've just had an email asking if I would do music for an event for that. So I'm, that may or may not happen, but but it's quite a nice thing to be asked
0: to do. That's a wonderful thing to be asked to do. That's been very popular in our group, of course. And Mary also was fascinated by music. Played music for her melancholy. And of course, we've all heard what happened to her musician. So I'm I'm excited to know you may be part of that.
1: Oh yes, uh, stabbing of a lutenist in front of her. That is things not to see. <laughs> yes, that if. If anyone, it's if not you, anything we see much anymore. No, although there are some beautiful Scottish songs. There's some beautiful songs from the Tudor period from Scotland. Lovely range. I mean, they're they're in the same style often with the French influence, but you can also hear you can you can also hear that they're Scottish. Well, how can we find you on social media? So my the my early music ensemble is called Passamezzo, and we've got a website of that name. We've also got a Facebook page, Pasamezzo, and Twitter, and a YouTube channel, Passamezzo. Also Instagram, but I'm not very organized at keeping that one going. Well, thank you for that. Where can we find your books and your music? My books are published by Rondo Music Publishing, and there are, I've written, I think, 17 books of different aspects of early modern life and music. One is a song from Anne Boleyn's Coronation, and my recordings are again on Spotify, Bandcamp, under Pasamezzo, and Apple iTunes, syndicated to pretty much any of them, so they should be findable. Just look for Pasamezzo. P A S S A M E Z Z O. Thank you very
0: much. And one last question about Anne Boleyn. What can you tell us about her music? She, she's another one, actually, who...
1: She's another particularly good musician. Elizabeth really had the musical genes coming from both sides. and played the rebeck. She played the lute. She played the virginals. The rebeck is a precursor of the violin, a sort of three-stringed instrument. And she harped also, she played the harp also, because of her childhood on the continent in some of the best, well, most cultured courts of the Renaissance, she, she had access to some of the greatest musicians, people like Jos Ganderpre, and had some great musicians to be her teachers. There are arguments as to whether or not she was a composer. She certainly had a book of music, a lovely book of music, that is now in the Royal College of Music. It's inscribed Anne Boleyn, her book, and there's a little illumination of a white falcon in it too. And that contains a mixture of religious songs and popular songs of the day by the composers that she'd have come across at the French courts. There are some pieces of music that some people say are written by Anne Boleyn. It's hard to know whether they are or not, on the whole, since they don't. There's no evidence of them until about 20 years after her death. It's probably that they are written about her, rather than by her, but without a TARDIS, without a time machine, we can't tell. The two songs that are associated with Anne Boleyn are both from the time when she was in the Tower, disgraced and awaiting execution or fearing execution. There is O Death, Rock Me Asleep. O Death, Rock Me Asleep. Bring me to quiet rest, let pass my weary, guiltless ghost out of my, out of my doleful breast, toll on the passing bell, ring out its doleful knell, let it sound my death tell for now I die, I die, I die, I die, I die that that is one of the songs, and then there's another in similar vein that is that begins defiled is my name, that she has been wronged, that she has been. Slandered and none of us, and that she is innocent. Um, and these are, they're, they're good songs. I, I would place them as mid-16th century rather than 1530s. But as I said, we can't know. And Anne was certain, Anne was someone who inspired people to write. Um, people wrote poetry for her, both the King and
0: Thomas Wyatt. True. She inspired a lot of artistic endeavours. <laughs> She, she certainly did and still does all these years on. Well, Tamsin, I want to thank you for joining us on All Things Tutor. This has been an absolutely delightful chat and I have learned so much and appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me, Deb. It's been lovely to be here. And I wish you all the best in the upcoming year and would love to have you back so you can tell us more about your adventures in music. Thank you so much. I wish you a Merry Christmas and good health for the new year. Well, thank you. You too. You've been listening to All Things Tutor. My thanks go to listeners, my husband, and my team. If you like what you hear, leave a review, follow wherever you get your podcast, and share with your friends to help others find the show. Join the All Things Tudor Facebook community to connect with tens of thousands of Tudor history lovers. You can also connect with me across social media at the TheDebATL. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch y'all later.